Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and um, I don't get political, but I do have to bring up some things just to help raise your awareness help raise your awareness and for you to do your own investigation, but I think it's pretty clear that we have now moved from a democracy to a dictatorship. And this is not a joke. This is real. Um, People are going to lose their jobs if they do not take the shot. And so in this church, as I've said for since the beginning, we're not going to debate about the shot. We're not going to debate about masks. Uh, if you feel called to wear a mask, great. If not great. Shot, yes. Shot, no. That's between you and the Lord. It's really bothering me that people say, well, you don't have the shot. You're unloving. You're unloving. Well, I find it very interesting that abortion mills did not close down in 2020. Killing of babies did not cease as there was over 800,000 babies that were killed, murdered in America in 2020. And let's just say 50% of those are female because there are only male and female babies. So we killed over 400,000 females in 2020. So it's very important for you to lift your eyes to heaven to look at the scriptures and not get caught up in politics, not to get caught up in mask or vaccine, but to look at the scripture and say, what's going on? And we talked about this last week, and I'm going to continue to talk about it because you're living a new norm now. People are saying, I, I can't wait till it gets back to normal. It's not going back to normal. The Antichrist is alive, and this is the new norm. And six months from now, there's probably going to be another new norm. And a year from now, another new norm. And, and it might even be less than that. Because there's only so much time before Jesus comes back, and there's only a seven-year tribulation. There's not a 10-year tribulation. There's not a 20-year tribulation. There's only a seven-year tribulation, period. And so it's very important that you know your Bible so that, that we don't get so mad, and we saw this up on the men's retreat. I mean, you just bring up a topic, and boy, <laughs> do the emotions come out. And so we got to be very careful because uh, the enemy wants to divide the church. And he'll use anything to divide the church, including the color of the carpet. And you might think that would never happen. Churches has, have divided over the color of the carpet. That's called immaturity. That's called immaturity, plain and simple. And so we want to be mature. And we want to respect each other. And what you do with your health is none of my business. It's not the government's business. It's nobody's business. You take care of yourself. And I'm going to take care of myself. And God is ultimately going to take care of all of us. So nobody gets out of here early and nobody gets out of here late. So don't live in fear. Live in trusting of God. And so I'll leave it at that. We could be up here and waste a lot of time, but we're not doing that. We're here for a Bible study. And uh, the music, and I picked a video that I'd like you to watch. It's a music video. But it's not filler time, like I didn't have enough time to study. I studied. I had this study ready two weeks, three weeks ago. So that's not the issue. So as you look at the video, again, don't, this is not time. I, I hope that you would never check your phone during a service, a church service, any church service. If you are, that, there's a problem. There's a problem there that you have to, to be aware of with your God. Get a paper Bible 
so that you're not distracted by this stuff. And we talked about this at the men's retreat. And men raised their hands. They said, I am so distracted with social media, I don't read my Bible. And I'm just like, turn it off. I mean, isn't this kind of like a no-brainer? How old are you? Just, just turn it off. Isn't it that simple? No, it's called an addiction. It's an addiction. I have to know what's going on. I might miss something. <laughs> you're, you're missing something all the time. It's going so fast right now, we're missing something. Don't worry about it. God hasn't missed anything. He knows what's going on. Everything's under control. He's got a plan and a purpose. So be very careful what you allow to become an addiction because it is an addiction. So as you're listening to this video, it ties in with the study. Uh, it's a really neat video because, guys, one day, Paul talks about we have an account in heaven. Every single Christian, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you have an account in heaven. You might not have a 401k here. You might not have a savings account or a checking account, but in heaven, you have a spiritual account. And Jesus said, store up treasure in heaven where thieves do not break in and steal, where rust does not corrupt, where moths do not eat. Jesus said that. And we are going to be judged at the Bema seat of Christ, the reward seat of Christ, not the great white throne judgment. Christians do not stand in front of the great white throne because that's judgment of hell, for hell. But we are going to stand in front of the Bema seat and whatever we've done for Christ, whatever we've done for God via the Holy Spirit is going to be in that account. Now what we're going to do with it, the Bible doesn't tell us, so I don't know. You're probably not going to figure it out either because it's not in there. But he told us to do it, so that's enough for me. So I want to store up treasure. And that could be here. This could be during the week. It could be in your workplace. Anything you do out of love, agape love, in the name of Christ to another human being, I look at, you are storing. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water to a disciple, you will not lose your treasure. Cup of cold water. Jesus tried to show us nothing is unimportant in the kingdom of God. Nothing. It's all about your heart. And so that's my exhortation, even to the men last night, as I taught last night. It's not to debate mask, vaccine, uh, black, white, whatever color, Republicans, Democrats. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility, the word of God, Ephesians tells me, is to train up the sheep for the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry is here on this campus, but it's the work 24-7 in your life, wherever that might be, that I will never go to. So as we look at this video, I'm saying all this so that you'll understand. It's just not another video. When's it going to be over? I want to do a Bible study. Get, open your mind and see the bigger picture that one day, one day, you are going to stand before God. And I know that you all know this, but I, I'm, I'm not sure that you all understand it. I want to hear... Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, if I'm not investing in the kingdom, am I going to hear that? He might just say, well, I don't want that. I don't want that. I want the whole thing. I fall short. I make mistakes. But guys, I'm encouraging you, as you watch the video, because it ties in with our study this morning, we're all in a race. We're all in a race. Individually. We're not competing against each other in the ministry. We're in a race in our Christian lives. Am I going to finish the race strong? Or am I going to finish the race politically? Am I going to finish the race um, with prejudice? What am I going to finish the race with? Because we're all going to finish the race. 
How much are you investing? So uh, can you guys turn down the lights? And Jimmy, you ready, you ready to go? And the, the stage lights, if you would. So please, really open your head here. Open your mind. What will it be like When my pain is gone And all the worries of this world just fade away
Isn't that awesome, guys? Isn't that awesome? I've been waiting 43 years. Anybody got me beat? I've been waiting 43 years to see Jesus. Anybody? Anybody? Going once? Who's got more than that? How many years? 48. Do I hear 49? 50. Anybody above that? Anybody above 48? 60. Praise God. And 70. Praise God. Guys, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're going to stand before the throne of God. Awesome. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. 1 Corinthians 9, 26. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we are heading towards home. And one day you will call us home individually or you will call us corporately in the rapture. But we are all heading home. So keep our eyes focused on the race, for the enemy wants to distract us and get us off course. Help us to fight the good fight of faith, as Paul said in his last letter, that he had finished his race and he was ready now to see you face to face, Father. We want that same confidence. We want that same understanding. Use your word this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in chapter 9, as Paul is bringing this teaching of Christian liberties to the church at Corinth... He uses a physical analogy that they would have been very familiar with, very familiar with. He brings the analogy of an athlete who would have participated in the Olympics or closer to their hometown, Corinth, the Isthmian Games. You see, the participants who had to be Greek citizens would exercise and practice their particular skill. So we can just think about this even as we just had Olympics. This has been taking place for thousands of years. They would have a strict diet of food and proper rest. They would isolate themselves from the temporal or immediate enjoyments of this life so that they might win or come in first place at a future contest. Winners received special privileges from the Roman government, but for that day they would receive a wreath, a wreath that they would wear on their heads. It was their moment of triumph or achievement obtaining their ultimate goal, but both rewards were temporal. So important as we think about this. Both rewards are temporal. So Paul is going to give the church at Corinth, as well as to us, a spiritual principle through the use of a physical analogy, the athlete who trains for the contest. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Guys, we're in a race. We're in the race of Christianity. Again, not competing against each other, but what has God called you to do? Like in that video, there was moms. What has God called you to do? I mean, faithful. Praise God for faithful moms who take care of the children, raise them up in the ways of the Lord, for faithful dads, for faithful single people who are not compromising the faith but willing to remain pure and steadfast in their life. 
You see, you have a calling on your life as a student, as a worker, as a, a, a working at home, a stay-at-home mom, or, or, or whatever it might be, the pastorate, you have a calling on your life. Don't compare it to anybody else. So dangerous. You do what God's called you to do with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength via the Holy Spirit. Verse 25, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it, so again, this physical analogy, he's now going to turn it into a spiritual principle. Rabbis would do this to this day. Rabbis did it then, they do it today. You can do it. You could take a physical analogy and you can turn it into a spiritual concept. People might say, uh, you know, you're, you're talking to your mechanic. And all of a sudden you say, mention the Bible. And the guy goes, ah, I don't believe in the Bible. Why would you read the Bible? And then you can just go, well, you know, that's interesting. You're a mechanic, right? Do you use books? Do you use books for, you know, for, the, for checking out an engine or tuning the engine or making sure the dimensions are proper in the cylinders? Do you, do you use books? Did you go to school? Oh, yeah, I went to school. And just let them go on. Just let them go on. You're just, you're just baiting and railing them in and let them go on and on and on about all the education he did and how smart he is and this, that, and the other thing. That's interesting. You got all that stuff from a book. Hmm. Where do you think you're going to find out about God? In the Bible by reading the book. He won't have an answer. So you can do the same thing. You can use a physical analogy to teach a spiritual principle. Just, just think bigger. And so Paul here is giving this physical analogy... They do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable, and you'll notice crown there's italicized, so it's, it's not in the original text. So just for those imperishable rewards that Jesus told us to do. Here we see that an athlete will train and train and train for a crown that is going to quickly fade. But again, remember that Paul is putting forth a spiritual principle through a physical analogy. The word competes, it means to struggle. Now again, think of the physical, but bring it into your spiritual walk in Christ. Are you competing as if you're in a race? Again, not against each other, but are you, comp- are you training? Are you training? Are you reading the word? Are you memorizing the word? Are you meditating on the word? Do you have a prayer life? Do you have a devotional life? If you do not, when the spiritual battle takes place, you will lose. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6 tells us, 6.10, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and heavenly places. That's who we're wrestling against. It means literally to compete for a prize, figuratively to contend for an uh, adversary. Here's Ephesians 6.12, got ahead of myself. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness. So don't wrestle in politics. Don't wrestle in science. Just study, find out what the science is, and then stick to your position. Don't get emotional about it. Just say these are the facts. Matter of fact, I would encourage you to go to azdhs.com, Arizona Department of Health Services. Dashboard, COVID dashboard. You check out that COVID dashboard. That'll raise your awareness of science. It shows the graphs. It shows how many people were in the hospital, how many deaths have taken place, and it goes back to March of 2020. And you can see the graph. It's, it's crazy what they're trying to feed us, like people are dying in the streets again. You have basically a 99% survival rate if you go to the hospital with COVID. 99% survival rate. And with God, you have 100% because you're not going before he calls you home. Whether it's COVID or 40,000 people died last year on American highways. 
40,000. So you might want to think about your driving. You see, as we mature in our Christian walk, because you've got a better chance of dying in a car accident than of COVID. I'm not mocking it. COVID is real. I'm not belittling it. I'm making it a little. It's, it's real. It's real. It's dangerous. But don't live in the fear that the government's trying to get us to live in. You see, as we mature in our Christian walk, we should all come to understand that we do have a calling on our lives and that we're not wrestling against a force that can be seen, but a force that is only overcome through the word of God and prayer. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. So again, get this mental picture of an athlete, someone who's running, but then we also see there's someone who's boxing, a fighter. Paul uses these things because that was the culture. So see the culture that you live in, your workplace, your home life, your school life, and try to elevate people's eyes to heaven. Give them a physical analogy to provide a spiritual principle. Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. The word apprehended there means to comprehend with the mind. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. All right, I got to turn my Bible because I forgot verse 12. So we want to look at verse 12 first. Verse 12 is key to verse 13. Uh, Where am I at? Philippians 3, 12. Not a very attained. Okay, verse 12. Philippians 3, 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. That word perfected there means complete, dead. But I press on. Notice the action here. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. What does that mean? Okay, let's say that I'm going to die on January 1st, 2022. Praise God. That'd be wonderful. But let's say that's going to happen. Okay? God already knows that and he knows what maturity level I'm going to be at. God knows that. I do not. I only know today, I only know this very moment where my maturity level is at Christ. By the end of this day, I may be challenged in that level of maturity to go forward or to go back. We all are in the same position. You have arrived at a certain maturity level. Don't compare yourself with anybody else. But you have arrived at a certain maturity level, and every day we have choices. Do I want to go forward or do I want to go back? Do I want to mature more or do I want to be immature? We all have this situation taking place. And so, God knows that I don't. So, now as we read it on to verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, to comprehend. I don't know when I'm going to die, Paul says. I, I don't know. So since I don't know, what do I do? This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. So that's for you and me even to this day. As 2020 was absolutely crazy. Guys, we're so blessed here. We opened Mother's Day of last year and financially, you might not know this, I'm going to tell you, 2020 was the best financial year we ever had for the church. We're spoiled. And when we took our trip, we saw towns that were devastated. We went into a college campus on a Sunday afternoon. There was hardly anybody to be seen. It was in Oregon. It was in Oregon. Hardly anybody to be seen. Depressed. You could feel, you could sense in the spirit. You could sense the depression that was in, this, that, was in that place. This is what we're heading into. In Queen Creek, we're just kind of like, la da da. Hey, they're building something new. Hey, they're building something new. Hey, they're building something new. Hey, they're finally widening the road. Hey, hey, hey. 
guys, we are so spoiled in this area. The rest of this country and the rest of the world is struggling. But don't worry, there's another stimulus check coming out very shortly. (laughs) They just announced it again. Another stimulus check. The way you destroy a country is economically, economically, and demoralize the military. Demoralize the military where there's no, the country doesn't want to fight. Afghanistan was not by chance. That was planned by the Antichrist. And uh, the puppets to be are doing what he's telling them to do. So verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize. The prize here is an award, in this case, denying the flesh of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to become more like Jesus. That's the prize. At the end of this day, I want to be more like Jesus. And I bet you do too. That means we need to be participating. We need to be active. We can't be sitting on the bench and at the end of the season, hey, everybody gets a trophy. That has destroyed America, giving everybody a trophy. Everybody thinks they should get a trophy. You didn't do anything. So I should get a trophy, shouldn't I? No, no, you don't. Not in our house anyways. No, you're not getting anything. Not that I have already attained. No, no, that's where it is right there. Somehow I copied it wrong. Okay, I got to get to 15. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, okay? So there it is. Let us, as any are mature, so you've reached a certain level of maturity, have this mind, so you keep that mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. This is so true to today. You see, um, we didn't know what was going on when it first happened, and then after six weeks, well, during the week, I started looking at the, the ArizonaDHS.com and reading other stuff, material, science. I've, I believed in science. I do still believe in science. And I said, no, we're opening the church. We're never closing again. This is from the pit of hell. This is not science. And we haven't. We're not going to close. They're, they're going to have to arrest me, and then they're going to have to arrest Pastor Al, and then they're going to have to arrest Pastor Durrell, and then they're going to have to arrest Pastor Tony, and then they're going to have to arrest Pastor Matt. And we're just going to, hey, we're pressing on. Put chains on the doors. We'll meet in the park. Or if we have to go to home fellowships, we'll go to home fellowships. You can't chain the word of God. You cannot chain the word of God. And if you're not getting that drastic, you might think, this guy's a nut. I'm never coming back here. That's fine. But when they come knocking on your door, it is getting this serious. If you don't think it's this serious, and I'm sure there's people on the internet going right now, oh, this guy's a whack. Really? Our daughter, RN, November 1st, you get the shot or you're fired. This is America. She has the antibodies. Israel did a study. 13 times stronger than the shots. 13 times stronger. Well, we're not going to talk about that. That's not science. Oh, I thought it was, but I guess it's not. Okay. No, we're going to fire you instead because you're not doing what I told you to do. That's called dictatorship. In America, in 21... Welcome to China. Why? Revelation chapter 13. There will be a one world government. There will be a one world economy. There will be a one world religious system. It's coming, guys. Wake up. It is coming. We're called to evangelize. So forgetting those things, you know, forget it. I'm moving forward. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. Uh, We read that already. Verse 16, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, 
Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing as we look back in 1 Corinthians 9. So again, we're in a race. You've reached a certain level of maturity. You're hearing a Bible study. Tonight you might go home and listen to some, a Bible study on YouTube. This week you're going to be doing your devotions. You're going to be doing different things to become more like Jesus. As you do that, realize, okay, I'm at a certain maturity. I want to go on. I want to go on. I want to go on. And you may fall. I fail. I fail. I fall. You take a step back, but you don't stay there. You go, okay, no, I'm I, sorry. You confess it, and you get back up. You get back up. You do it again. Little, every day, every day. Little, 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 little. Because this flows right into the next principle. The words is temperate. And see in verse 25 there, 1 Corinthians 9, 25. The words, those two words in temperate, they mean to exercise self-restraint in diet and chastity. So in sexuality, in diet and in sexuality, having sex. Now we might immediately think about self-control. But are we to have self-control? This is not a trick question. This is, I believe, a Christian principle that very few Christians understand? Or are we to be spirit-controlled? Are we to have self-control or spirit-control? Again, seeing that uh, Paul is using a physical analogy to teach a spiritual principle, we need to keep going back to the spiritual aspect of this teaching. And what did he write in Galatians 5.16? He said, I say then, walk in the Spirit... And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So is it spirit control or is it self-control? It's spirit control. Now, obviously, I have to do that. So you can say, well, self has to be a part of it. But unfortunately, our world focuses on self. Just self, just self, just self. No, no, no. I got to focus on the Holy Spirit giving me the ability to even walk in the Spirit. What Paul shares early in Galatians now makes more sense in light of this teaching here in Corinthians. Look at, we're going to look at Galatians 2.20 for the sake of time here. Just put it up. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So my life is not my own. Paul says my life is not my own. I've been bought. I've been purchased. I'm God's. So I need Christ's control. I need Holy Spirit control. Let's look back in uh, Corinthians 9, 26 and 27. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. So many Christians are running in uncertainty. And why are they running in uncertainty? Why are Christians living in fear right now over this whole virus thing? Do you know the great Fauci says he's got an eye on another strain? Guys, this is the new norm. Fear, control, shots. You will obey. Matter of fact, we saw a little clip with him on a secular news station. And he said, and I can't quote it, but you can, you can Google it, you'll find it. But basically he said, I don't understand why people are not willing. I don't understand why people are not willing to take the shot. And I'm really paraphrasing this, but he said these words, check it out. But he said, but we will do things to make them willing. They will lose their jobs. They will be restricted from going to certain stores. And they then will be willing. He said it. I'm not making this. You can check it out. He said that. So in other words, I'm not going to be willing, but we're going to make you willing. Which means I wasn't willing, but you think I'm willing. I'm not willing but we'll make you willing. That's called dictatorship. That's called dictatorship. 
So should we all get our guns? Come on. Maturity. We got to get people saved. We got to get people saved. We're going to heaven, guys. This is not our planet. We're just visiting this place. I carry, I believe in protecting my family, but I'm not going to go crazy. I believe in Jesus. I believe in his word. And there's the God of this world. Satan said to Jesus, hey, I can give this world to anybody I want to. I have the power to do that. And you know, Jesus didn't rebuke him. Jesus didn't say, oh, no, no, you can't. Jesus just said, you know, quote his scriptures, get behind me, Satan. Satan is going to give the world to the Antichrist, who is, alive, I believe, alive and well. He's sick, but alive, health-wise, health well. A human being. And I think this is part of the whole process. Conditioning, conditioning, conditioning. You will obey. You see, Paul now finishes his principle here, spiritual principle. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. He's in the race and he knows where he's heading. It would be a terrible feeling to be in a race where you didn't know where you were going. You could go way off course and not even know it. And that's why many Christians are off course because they're not reading their Bibles from Genesis to Revelation. They're watching YouTube. They maybe listen to a pastor or they listen to a conspiracy or they listen to this, they listen to that. And all of a sudden they're whacked out doing all kinds of weird stuff. Again, if you don't know who you're fighting against in verse 26, you will end up swinging your arms into the air in frustration. You see, Paul knew who the enemy was, and it wasn't Nero, which gave him the desire to become disciplined. The word discipline here, it means to beat black and blue, to hit under the eye. Now, obviously, Paul is not teaching the Christians at Corinth to beat themselves up physically, but is using the effects of a fighter as an example of how disciplined Paul had become in his own life as a Christian. Am I that disciplined? Are you that disciplined? That, that's the question we've got to ask ourselves. God wants to use us. He wants to use every single Bible-believing Christian in this room. But how can he use me if I'm not praying, if I'm not in the Word, if I'm not in fellowship, if I'm not doing those extra things that are going to strengthen me? That's the way athletes get stronger. They compete against other athletes. They work out in the gym. They do those things that make them stronger. You see, Paul had the liberty to do various things, but he didn't use his liberty in Christ to jeopardize his Christian walk. He had to deal with his flesh just like you and I have to. Paul does not want to become disqualified from the race or more specifically from his calling in the ministry. Again, some people might look at that and go, oh, you can lose your salvation. No, you cannot. Calvary believes you cannot lose your salvation. That's, that should not be a new revelation to you, but you might be new to Calvary, so you might think, well, I believe you can. That's fine. I will not argue with you about it. But as far as Calvary is concerned, you cannot lose your salvation. If you're living like the devil, maybe you never received Jesus, but if you've made a commitment to Jesus, you're saved. You can't get out of the Father's hands. You can't get out of his hands. So when we look at this word disqualified, we'll get to it. That's what Paul's referencing is he didn't want to be disqualified from the ministry. You see, there was a person at these games who was called the herald. This person would summon the contestants to the race, announce the rules of the contest, as well as the names of those who were participating. There were others who would judge or observe the race or contest to see if all the athletes participated fairly. If someone cheated, 
they would be disqualified from the race even if they had won. Okay, very important. If someone cheated, they would be disqualified from the race even if they had won. Please listen to this next point as it applies to our principle here. They were still a Greek citizen. They did not lose their citizenship. They were not sent to jail. They were not punished. They just forfeited or lost their opportunity to receive any rewards during that specific race. So even if you were the winner, if you were found cheating, you would be called on the carpet and you would not receive the benefits of winning the race. After the contest, the herald would also announce anyone who would have been disqualified. This is the phrase that Paul used in verse 27. When I have preached, when I have preached. Paul was commissioned with spreading the good news of Jesus being the Christ to the Gentiles. Jews, is, but predominantly Gentiles. He was a herald and had no desire to have his own name announced as disqualified. So now make it practical. You, as a Bible-believing Christian, are an ambassador for Christ. I am an ambassador for Christ. I don't want to be disqualified. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. On this side of heaven, even as Jesus heard it several times, as well as on the other side of heaven. And I believe you do as well. Which means we have to be active. We have to be proactive. So we can see that this spiritual principle is this, that Paul had allowed the Holy Spirit to come and to rule over his fleshly appetites that were found in his life so that he might be a faithful witness for those who had not yet come into the kingdom of God as well as those who are already in the kingdom of God. That's you and me. That's you and me. So as we run the race individually, when we come together, we're here to encourage each other and strengthen each other and say, say to somebody, hey, come on. Keep going. You're almost there. Keep going. Press on. Memorize the scripture. Let's get together for prayer. Hey, let's get together for some counseling. You come alongside that person, not to beat them up, but to encourage them and strengthen them. That's what the ministry is all about. Paul, being a minister of the gospel, did not want his witness to become a hindrance for the gospel. And as we've seen over and over again, Paul was definitely others-orientated. So again, let's personalize it and ask the question. How many Christians in general have lost or temporarily have lost or temporarily lost their witness because of a sinful lifestyle? Don't raise your hand. Just a thought for you to think about. How many Christians do you know in general that maybe have lost or temporarily lost their witness because of a sinful lifestyle? See, unbelievers are watching. Unbelievers call it an affair. The Bible calls it adultery. When you're committing adultery, the world knows that you're sinning against your wife, your husband. Come on, guys. They know when you're stealing company stuff, they know you're stealing. When you're lying, they know you're lying. It's amazing. People know this stuff, and then they go, oh, I thought you were a Christian. And they might not say that out loud, but they're thinking, oh, I thought, now again, Christians are not perfect. None of us are ever perfect. We're not sinless, but we should be sinning less. So we should try to be that good example of a Christian, how a Christian lives. How many have allowed themselves to become disqualified because they had not taken and crucified their flesh and its lustful desires? Maybe there's someone here today who has lost their testimony due to past mistakes. 
It could surely happen to any one of us if we're not alert to the enemy's tactics. Or maybe you find yourself in that spot right now today. You've allowed yourself to become disqualified and your witness is ineffective. You're not uh, black and blue from personal training, but from the world slapping you back and forth, beating you down to the ground. Today would be a great day to repent, to turn from your sin and allow the Holy Spirit to rebuild your Christian testimony. Remember the concept that Paul stated in verse 17, and these are my own words. If I preach the gospel willingly, I have a reward. If not, I still have the gift of teaching, but I have no reward. I still have the gift, but I have no reward. You see, God is always there, ready to restore what the enemy has tried to destroy. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be renewed and have future opportunities to be an effective witness for Jesus. 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, For bodily exercise profits a little. It's good. We should take care of our bodies. Having promise of the life that is now and of that which is to come. That's what's more important, having godliness. But godliness is profitable for all things. Bodily exercise just profits a little. Do it. I like, I like doing it. So here's some more questions as we wrap it up. The team comes up. Are you in this race called Christianity? You don't have to raise your hand. Just, just a question for you to think about. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, you're in the race. But do you know you're in the race? Are you actively participating in the race? You see, as a believer, here's another question. Have you allowed yourself to become disqualified or disciplined? Sorry. Have you allowed yourself to become disciplined through the power of the Holy Spirit? And, and we all have excuses. Well, I don't have time to read my Bible. Well, then maybe you need to set your clock a half hour earlier. That would take Discipline. So are you allowing your life to be disciplined so that you'll get your Bible reading in? Or or maybe uh, instead of hanging out with the people at lunch break like I did at Motorola, I read my Bible at lunch break because I prayed with my wife in the morning and had to come home to four kids to help my wife out with. So my Bible time was during my lunchtime every single day. Not to be self-righteous, not to be pious. That's when I did my time. Praise God. It worked out wonderfully. Are you disciplined? As a believer, are you actively in this race called Christianity? Or are you you comfortably being a spectator? (laughs) It's been said, I've said it a few times over the years, football game. Think of a football game. How many guys on a football team? 55? Is that the roster? 57, 55? 53. 53. Yeah, 53. So you got two teams. So there's basically 106 guys that are in desperate need of rest after four quarters. And there's 70,000 people that are in desperate need of exercise. So do you want to be a spectator? Or do you want to be in the game? You're a Christian, so you're in the game whether you want to be or not. I would encourage you to not be a spectator. The time of being a spectator is over. Everyone needs to be actively engaged in a Bible-believing church. If this is not your church, if you're church-seeking, that's great, that's fine. Find where God's called you to be, not where you feel comfortable. Where God's called you to be, get ministered to for a season. Here, you have to be here for six months. And then get involved. Get involved, guys. We don't have time. The new norm is going to change very, very quick. Very quick. And we can't keep thinking, oh, I wish we could go back. You're not going back. We're not going back. We're going forward, we're going to heaven. 
and we're going to have to deal with what they throw at us. And however that plays out, it's going to play out. Know that God will take care of you. As I said to my daughter, he's building your testimony. He's built our testimony. We can talk 43 years of Christianity and the things we've been through. God has been with us every single step. He has never left us nor forsaken us. Honey, you're building your testimony. You have to make your own decision. I can't make it for you. But you're building your testimony. And I just reassure her, God is with you. She loves Jesus. She does devotions. God is with you. God's going to take care of you. If he can take care of 3 million Jews in the desert for 40 years, he can take care of you. He can take care of you. He can take care of me. But you've got to make that commitment. You see, the signs of Jesus' return to remove his bride from this earth is more obvious than ever. Look up. Jesus is saying, your redemption is drawing near. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word that we don't have to live in fear. We have your word. And as we read your word, we know the rest of the story. You win. (laughs) You've got it. So, Father, we just thank you and praise you for giving us the whole story. And now, Lord, we just ask for your Holy Spirit. You know, I'm going to pray a simple little prayer. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. I'm going to pray a simple little prayer so that you might get into the race. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, Jesus made it perfectly clear. There's heaven and there's hell. John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you don't know Jesus, you're not going to heaven, which means you're going to hell. God's not sending you there. You're denying Jesus as your Savior. So I'm giving you another opportunity, because I know God's given you many opportunities, but I am giving you another opportunity to receive Jesus. If you deny him again, that's between you and God, not me. But just know, God will not send you to hell. You're saying, I'll go there myself. Thank you. But if you would like to receive Jesus, then just pray this simple prayer. And if you are sincere, if you're willing to say, yes, I I get it, I'm a sinner, I need to repent, I need a Savior, I'm asking Jesus, if if that's it right there, then pray this simple prayer. God, I come to you today and I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I repent, I turn. I turn to you. I turn to heaven. And I ask you to forgive me. Forgive my sins. And I ask your Holy Spirit to come into my life right now. To come into my life and to seal me until the day I die. I don't know what this means, but I trust you're going to show me through the Word, through Christians through discipling, counseling, I'm going to grow and understand just how much you love me. And I say thank you for loving me, God. Thank you for saving me. I'm now your son. I am now your daughter. And I can now call you father. My father. Abba, daddy. Thank you, father, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Father, fill us all, the rest of us. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against political parties. We're not wrestling against skin color. (laughs) We're not even wrestling against our supervisors or our companies who might fire us very shortly. There's demonic forces at play here. And this world has to become, America has to come down. 
in order to become part of that one world government. So, Father, give us wisdom. It's grieving. It's sad. It's so unfortunate. But yet it's not because your son's coming back. We should be excited. Your son is coming back, which means the rapture is soon. So, Lord, just give us wisdom to minister to whomever we minister to before we have to leave our place of work. Because we're going to find another job. You're going to take care of us. You always have. You always will. You'll meet the need. We know that. We trust that. Your word says that. So I pray for anyone in this room right now, Father, that has that real-life situation of possibly losing their job. I pray you give them wisdom, that you give them discernment, and that you give them supernatural strength through your Holy Spirit on what to do. That's their walk, Lord. It's, It's their testimony. You give them that supernatural wisdom on what to do, that you will be glorified in and through their lives. For we know that if we ask, if we seek, if we knock, you'll give more of the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks, seeks, or knocks. And the Holy Spirit will give us the wisdom we need to navigate through these times. So we thank you in advance. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.